taught me how to write through your emotions and Mm. how you can process life that way. And I was like, oh, this is what I need to be doing. Like, this makes so much sense. And so from then on, it was like fully focused on, I'm going to be a writer. That's what I'm going to do. And it ebbed and flowed a little bit. I discovered screenwriting in high school, although I called it playwriting for TV. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the About Story Podcast. My name is Nathan Johnson, and today I'm very privileged and honored to have Morgan on the show. Oh, thank you. Hello, Morgan. <laughs> Hi. It's, it's really fun to be here. I'm, I'm excited to be on this side of the camera for once. This is yeah, it's, it's a new feeling, you know, to, yeah. <laughs> to, be, <laughs> to be in front of the camera. I would love to hear kind of how you got started in your writing career. I think I was always a storyteller. Mm. I have uh, pictures of me being very young with little puppets and also my head sticking out because I didn't quite understand that I wasn't supposed to be seen. The summer between fifth and sixth grade, I lost uh, a very close friend of mine to cancer. Mm. And I had a hard time getting over it. And it felt like a lot of the other kids were able to cope better than I was. And my sixth grade teacher, uh, Mr. Murphy, we called Murph, he was an author and he taught me how to write through your emotions and Mm. how you can process life that way. And I was like, oh, this is what I need to be doing. Like, this makes so much sense. And so from then on, it was like fully focused on, I'm going to be a writer. That's what I'm going to do. And it ebbed and flowed a little bit. I discovered screenwriting in high school, although I called it playwriting for TV because I didn't know the word screenwriter, but I would like get as many books as I could and, and do a lot of uh, formatting on a Word document to try to make it look like what I saw scripts looked like. And then I discovered Final Draft and I was like, oh, my life so is much just, easier. Yes, game changer. <laughs> and then obviously that paid off when, when I went to Biola. So hmm. yeah, that's, that's, cool. how, that's how I got started initially. When you went to biology, was, were you sure you wanted to study writing? Was that- Yeah, to the point that if I'm being honest, I was a little bit lazy with my other assignments. They'd be mm. like, we're going to do lighting for visual aesthetics. And I'd be like, but I'm going to be a writer, so I don't, I don't need this. My roommate can help me with it. And I, and I regret that now, but at the same time, I just, I just was so tunnel visioned. I knew mm. what I wanted to do. I, I didn't even ever really want to direct. It was always like, I just want to write it. And then that's my contribution and someone else can can take the reins and and I want to see what they do with it like Mm. I I want it to be collaborative I don't need to be an auteur I don't you know need to have final say even I just I want my script I want my vision for it that's a final document and I think that's important for writers to know Mm. is that even though whatever you write may not be what the ultimate visual of the project is you still have your own version of it like you don't lose that just because someone else makes changes to it Mm. and I've heard writers say too like when it comes to award shows and things like read the script don't rely on (laughs) on the movie's version of the script because that's really where the art form is I Mm. think tell me a little bit about going to Biola it was so fun it felt like a little bit like camp like Mm. I was just going to to be around students who had the same foundations that I did which was really important to me and then also had the same passion for storytelling that I did and Mm. that that blew my mind so much so that I was like I need to go to grad school I just need to keep being around these people and it's funny because I took myself so seriously in undergrad and then it wasn't until grad school that I had a professor say you're funny and I was like really (laughs) do you think so oh that's that's so exciting and so the prospect became like oh I can write more than just my melancholy emotions Mm. as I'm processing things, but we can write things that are light and fun and still prompt conversations that we want to have. Yeah, that's good. 
Yeah, I remember Michael Warren's class. Yes. Yes, I love that class. It's still one of my favorite classes. Yes. We had that class together, Mm -hmm. and I just remember it being collaborative. He was really aggressive about giving critiques, and he wasn't shy about it. He was super honest about his critiques. But it it made for such great storytelling, Mm -hmm. because we we all dissect each other's stories, and we could say, okay, this is what's working, this is what's not working. But it was in an environment where you're comfortable and safe to do so. Yeah. For me, finding those environments that are like that is really something that I think writers need. That's you huge. need to have a place where you can share and be honest with each other about what's working in the story and what's not working. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I had an opportunity to thank him um, a couple years back, and that was that was a really uh, satisfying moment to mm. be like, you significantly changed my life. Like, you had a more rigorous class than any of my other professors, and you expected more of us as you should have. Yeah. And that was a game changer. Yeah. For sure. But I'm curious, like you said, in creating environments where you can be honest and, and share critiques. Is that something that is like part of your regular rhythm? Do you have a writer's group that you go to for feedback or just a, a few select people? Yeah, that's a from? great question. So I don't have a group per se. We're all kind of writers in my family. Yeah. So we have like our own built-in family yes. group. So my brother writes, my sister writes. One of my sisters is an English teacher. Mm. We talk all the time. And then my brother, we usually write scripts together. Okay. He's kind of the creative brains behind a lot of the stories. And he his stories tend to be very sprawling, epic. Mm. You know, like he sits down to write a feature and it turns into a 10 season show. <laughs> and you're just like, this is supposed to be a two hour movie. Yeah. You know? yeah. We really balance each other out, I think. And uh it's it's essential to have someone that you trust mm-hmm. that you can talk to and like I trust really trust my family mm-hmm. and again the honesty thing is like we're super honest with each other and mm-hmm. but it's also a safe environment I really love it that's huge and do yeah. you and your brother primarily focus on features or if something lends itself more to being a limited series or an ongoing series you shift gears and you're like all right it's a pilot yeah we do both okay yeah. cool yeah. it tends to be a little bit harder for us to do features just because it's a little more constrained mm-hmm. and and like I was saying like our stories tend to be they develop so fast yeah and they get they get big and they're just too long for a movie so we have a lot of tv shows we haven't sold anything yet but right. we're i think we're like right on the cusp i just i just love storytelling kind of like you i love developing stories mm-hmm. you bring so much uh quality of life i think to someone when yes. they hear a good story oh my gosh absolutely yeah. i write in four different mediums and each mm. medium i have a different process for <laughs> and usually it comes down to where are my opportunities to collaborate? Mm. Like, where can I be present in the story with someone else? And then that dictates how I'm going to approach it. So for TV, I write with a writing partner. And we have the best time. We write every morning from 6.15 to 7 a.m. before our kids get up. It's like the highlight of our day, of our work Mm. day. You know, we just get to focus in on writing. And half the time we'll stop and be like, this is so much fun. (laughs) I love that we get to do this. So we're on Zoom every morning. Features feel a little bit more personal to me because it's a constrained story. And usually you're talking about your own experiences. Mm. So those I'll take my time with and I'll do them sort of on the side. A couple times that I've written plays and I'm gearing up to write another one have been actresses that have come up and said, I really want a sophisticated, layered, female-driven play. Mm, what do you got? Wow. Okay. I'm like, well, who do you want to play, right? Like, yeah. let's let's brainstorm that. And so it that becomes a very collaborative process with the eye towards producing. And I've had a couple of opportunities to get things produced. And then writing for animation, I hadn't done it before until I got asked to do it. And they already had a process for that as well. And mm. so every week we have a development meeting and we go through my script. And I mean, these are short little, they're micro short animated uh, for kids. What's the name of the show again? So we've done 22 episodes of Coco Talk. 
and this is on Minnow, which is a, a Christian family streaming platform. And then we are currently developing a new show, more girly, fun type show. You were telling me earlier about <laughs> um, your your daughter and how she yeah. gives you advice about storytelling. Earlier today, we were singing Itsy Bitsy Spider, and it was the first time that I realized, like, oh, Itsy Bitsy has obstacles that he needs to overcome. He needs to persevere. That was huge. Like, just these little foundational um story elements that she's able to teach me another big one one time we were playing with winnie the pooh characters winnie is gonna go and help find rue do you want to go too and she just goes no and that was it and i was like oh right characters need to be motivated they can't be apathetic nobody wants to see that that just shuts the story right down and it translated to what i was talking to my students about motivation and characters and how they need to lean in there needs to be perpetual conflict that sustains tension so that the story can move forward and that was the epitome of that mm. it's like if you don't have sustained tension the story's over yeah <laughs> all done playtime's over right <laughs> how do you kind of change your writing style to fit that particular type of story that you're working on i think it has to do with the people that i'm working with mm. so when i am in those development meetings for animation the team is so fun and lighthearted, and yeah. they're like this is so funny oh my gosh she's saying her abc's wrong hilarious <laughs> and then it'll be like okay but the word communication is a little tricky for three-year-olds mm, let's switch it to yeah. talking and so you're like Right. Yes. You have to be in a little bit of a different mindset. And I'm writing with my writing partner and we're doing live action. We're talking about higher level things and, mm-hmm. and wanting to have conversations about mental health, family dynamics, or, or other things that just lends itself to bringing about different conversations. What kinds of stories are you really interested in? You talk about the mental health things. So my stories always start with a, a premise, usually like a character-driven premise, yeah. mm-hmm. not super plot-heavy. That's always something I'm working on. I think you, you need both. I mean, I think, yeah. honestly, like if you are if you have to choose one, I would choose characters over plot. Yes. A plot with no characters, mm-hmm. but characters with no plot works. Yeah. <laughs> a character-driven story with no plot, it will still, if you have a really strong character, it will still work. I think that that makes all the difference in the world. A feature is a little bit harder to wrap your head around if it's mm. character-driven. The reason that people continue to watch Friends and go back to it over and over again is because they feel like they are their friends. Right. It's really not for the storylines. Right. <laughs> people are over those. It's because they feel like they're part of a group and mm. everyone wants to feel a sense of belonging. That was one of the things that drew me to TV specifically was this idea that I could bring people together and they could do something collaborative without actually having to put themselves out there i guess Mm. like they they had their their circle of friends that were brought to them obviously i'm a big proponent of getting out there and and meeting people in real life but i think there's something to feeling seen that tv has an opportunity to do that features just don't yeah what was the next step for you after biola my next step and i think it's important for uh, undergrad students to know was working at Barnes and Noble. I think everyone mm. thinks that your next job is going to be at a production company and you're going to be doing what you want to do and interning for important people. You do need to intern, but also you just need a job. Mm. It can be any job. And I've met some incredible people working at Barnes and Noble for the first six months after graduation until I got my full-time job at a production company. And then from there, because I was in grad school, I worked as a personal assistant, which is a very LA thing. That had its own benefits to it and mm. and challenges for sure. That's actually the feature that I'm writing right now is about actually like a really positive okay. a really positive mm. uh, relationship that I had with someone that I was a personal assistant for. Because mm. I feel like you only see the Divorce Prada and it's like, oh, but there's this whole other side where you you get to care for someone and be there for them in a way that nobody else does. 
that, mm. that, that nobody else is, is given that access to, especially thinking in terms of like ministry, right? And gospel care. Like there's no better place to do that than when you're serving someone very mm. intimately. And so I learned a lot doing that. And then when I finished grad school, I ended up at Warner Brothers for a couple of years. So and you say great. ended up, that sounds so like, <laughs> <laughs> I just woke up and I was at Warner Brothers. I don't know how it happened, but. <laughs> <laughs> I just arrived. They just let me on the lot. I started temping actually. Okay. And then that turned into a full-time job. Hmm. which is a little known secret in Hollywood, but that's how a lot of people end up at the bigger studios is actually through either you're an intern there and that's how they hire you or you're a temp there because they want someone that's tried and true. It makes sense. And they have thousands of applicants. I worked in HR side, thousands of applicants for every job. Wow. There's no way to set yourself apart unless you know somebody there. Mm-hmm. And that's why networking was so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. What did you do there at Warner Brothers? I was a front desk coordinator. Okay. Basically, they offered me the job and I was like, anything. I'll do anything Mm. at Warner Brothers. And then I felt a little stuck. It felt like so much of the creative stuff was happening like just outside my window Mm. and I wasn't actually getting to participate in it. I was ready to move on and and a good friend of mine knew that. And and when he was going to be part of a startup, he invited me to come along with him. And that was a really fun three years where I also learned a lot. And then right now I'm focusing on teaching and writing. That's great, yeah. And you're teaching at Biola, right? Yes, full circle. I love it so much. I see myself in these students, and it almost feels like I get to be their development executive. Like, Mm. they come in with these stories, and I get to kind of help them navigate and doctor. And you were mentioning that that's something that you really enjoy doing. Do you get to do it? outside of for your brother like are there multiple people that you yeah to... yeah so i've worked with a couple other writers and directors oh. so like davy mccall yes. you know davy yeah, yeah. Uh, even brian ulrich i've worked with him as well it's so much fun to kind of look at a story and say okay these are like this is what's working in the story and you say oh this is great this is good it's good and then you get to a part i was like oh okay well i see how i can make this a little bit better like it's there mm-hmm. you just have to put the pieces together in the right way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so for me when i'm looking at a story and trying to help develop a story you're just really looking at it and say, how can I make the story the best it can be? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. sometimes you can look at a story as a, if you're developing, but like you can say, okay, well, this is what I would do for the story. That's not yeah. the story that they're trying to tell. Yeah. So sometimes it's trying to separate like my own personal feelings or opinions a mm-hmm. little bit to try to show what they're trying to do and help them say what they're trying to say the best that, that we can say it. Yes. Yes. So how do you approach that? Is it primarily asking questions or do you give specific line notes where you're like, this doesn't make sense. You want to explain yeah, yourself? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I think mostly do lines. I will, you know, read the scripts multiple times. So usually mm-hmm. the first time I'll read the script through and then I will read it. Just first time is just to get an overlay of the land, just to see mm-hmm. the direction. Because I don't want to start giving notes on something and realize, oh, well, this is revealed later on that this is the setup for the, oh, okay, that makes sense. So for me, there's usually no reason to start making notes to have read the whole thing. Mm. Um, and then so after reading the whole thing, I go back and start at the beginning. Now I know the characters, I know the plot, like where the story's kind of going. And now I can see where the setups should be, where the payoff needs to be, mm-hmm. you know, the character arcs, it's easier to see the, if, if the character arcs are working. Yeah. A lot of times, I almost feel like it's very simple things that mm. make the biggest change. So it's like maybe, oh, have you considered combining these two characters? Yeah. So like for me, the characters all need to have a very specific purpose for being in the story. Mm-hmm. So they shouldn't just be there just to be another character. Yeah. And so if they're, if they're not having, if they're not interacting with the main character and they're not teaching us something about either like the world or the main character or the, like the villain of the story, mm-hmm. I don't think they need to be there. Mm-hmm. So their role should be combined with someone else who should yeah. be there. So little things like that, where you might not, as a writer, sometimes you're just throwing out ideas. It's like, oh, it's flown and it's great and it's fun. But then you need to like go back and say, okay, 
Now get some structure involved. Now let's yeah. get some tailor it and kind of mold it and shape it so it's actually working a little bit better. Yeah. Not, yeah. Do you like to be brought in in the outline stage and you're like, let's save ourselves some heartache <laughs> <laughs> and having to cut some darlings later and let's just see how streamlined the story actually is? I don't think I've ever done it that way. Okay. So yeah, it would be an interesting practice to kind of see what mm-hmm. it would... I might have done it with my brother. So like mm-hmm. we outline stuff together, but not anyone besides my brother. You know, we, we write together all the time. Yeah. And that's what I teach my students. We use Save the Cat. And so I try I to go Save the Cat. through yeah, those beats. Yeah. Yes. And I know it's been mentioned on here before. Yeah. That really is a game changer. It gets a little trickier when you're talking about TV. Mm. And so much of TV is gut instinct, I think, mm. especially because the broadcast beats look different than the streaming beats, which right. look different than the premium beats. Right? So everything's just slightly different depending on if you actually have act breaks with commercials right. or not. And leaving it on a cliffhanger is so big now, whereas it didn't used to be because mm. you'd have to wait a week. So right. it didn't really matter that you weren't going to watch the next episode immediately. And I think it's also kind of keeping it new. Because even when Save the Cat, although yeah. I think the structure is great, but there's also this, you don't want to be too much in a template where the audience knows exactly what the next beat yes. is going to be. So yes. it's, it's a tricky balance between yeah. we want to have all these beats because that's what makes usually the best kinds of stories. And it's the most relatable and it's the, the easiest story for the audience to kind of grasp and get behind. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you don't want your audience to be like, oh, and here's this moment. Oh, and here's this moment. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, mm-hmm. and they just know everything that's coming. Then it's not as fun anymore. Totally. So kind of, I think kind of trying to find that balance can be tricky. Yeah, I would agree. What are like some of the struggles that you have to go through when you're writing? For me, because I work on multiple projects at one time, I can just pivot. Mm, so if I'm like getting that. blocked in one area, but also if I'm collaborating with people and I get stuck, you have that built-in sounding board yeah. and you're not stuck for long. Mm-hmm. You have someone to go, I was thinking this and my writing partner and I use Writer Duet and so I can just watch him in real time as oh, he's editing. Cool. Nice. Or if we're, we're outlining, we'll do it in like a Google Doc situation so mm-hmm. we can just kind of see. It's hilarious though when it doesn't load right away and he sits back like, <laughs> I nailed it. I'm like, nothing. I don't I'm know. waiting for it to... <laughs> Okay, that's funny. No, I'm going to change it. Let's <laughs> go. Like, so anticlimactic. How did you guys meet, actually? In a writer's group. Mm, As okay. you do. Yeah. yeah. It's a good place to meet a writer. <laughs> it is, and it was a real will they or won't they write together. You mm. know, we'd like give notes on each other and be like, I see you. That was clever. That was good. All right. I, yeah. mm-hmm. And then finally, we met up for lunch, and originally it was just we were going to lay out our year. We were going to plan our deadlines, and like we're going to submit to this contest, we're going to do that and that. And we met up, and I was like, do you want to write together? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> yes, I do. And I was like, okay, great. So we've been writing together for over four years now. Wow. Which is crazy, and a lot of life has happened in that time. But it, that's also a good reminder that life is not about your career there are other things to be excited about and to celebrate with one another it's not just when you get the manager or you know when you get a big pitch or something which thankfully we've had opportunities to do but it's also like oh you had a baby (laughs) I had a baby like we you know we just get to be part of each other's lives in a really cool way yeah you're telling me that you had you found out you were pregnant on the first day of your class right yes <laughs> yeah. my first day of teaching in spring of 2020 I was like oh I'm having a baby and I'm teaching a class and we're doing okay great <laughs> life happens you know, life happens. happens but I think that's really cool what you're saying life is so much more important than just what you do like yes. you're you're we're not our careers and it'll, it might feel like that sometimes because yeah. you spend so much time working on it but at the end of the day it's the people that are around you that are more important than like mm-hmm. what you're actually doing yes so it's your family it's yeah. your, your friends you know and you want to make sure you keep those relationships and plus, that informs your stories. Like, totally if you don't does. have any life experience, like I had a, one writing teacher, and he was saying the most important thing to do is just have live life. Mm-hmm. 
just go live life. Mm-hmm. And then you'll have something actually to write about and yes. to talk about. Yes. Oh, and I've heard that about the showrunner for Everybody Loves Raymond, that he was mm. very diligent about shutting it down at six because he's like, I need you to go home and fight with your wife so that we have something to talk about tomorrow. <laughs> right? Like, and I think the best showrunners do that. I think the mm. best directors do that. They give you time to go and do whatever personal stuff you need to do in order to be your best creative self. I think you can also enjoy the work more when you have that kind of balance between your work yes. life and your personal life. Yes, yes. And I am definitely able to be a more present mom mm. after I've had my writing time. Mm. Once I've gotten that out of my system, I'm like, okay, I've been creative today. I've been funny today. I've been witty. I've been <laughs> sassy. I've done all of the things. Let's watch Bluey. <laughs> let's hang out. Let's let's tell stories together. Let's read stories. She loves reading, mm. which is such a fun gift. So you think she might be a writer? A writer in the making? I don't know. Right now, I think she's going to be a pilot. <laughs> she loves airplanes. And I fully support that. I mean, travel benefits for family. Right, yeah, course, yeah. That seems like a steady career path, too. I'm like, they're always going to need pilots. Yeah. This is good. <laughs> Probably easier than being a writer. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Don't need a day job. You right. just work your 40 yeah. hours. It's, yeah. Yeah. We were talking about that, too. Of how do you maintain creativity? when you also have a day job mm-hmm. and you also have a side hustle mm-hmm. and then you also have the creative endeavors like how does that how do you find balance for that i know for me i think having a specific goals mm-hmm. so like honestly even just like doing the podcast for me yeah. it was, it was a big goal like for this year i was like i am i've talked about it for so long i mm-hmm. want to do a podcast and like oh but i'm making excuses oh i'm too busy oh this is a and i was like no you just you got to do it like you, you know you write it down you say okay these are the things that i want to do and then you just go do it. Mm-hmm. And then like every day you want to have some sort of moving forward to that goals, whatever mm-hmm. those goals are. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with writing. If you want to be a writer, you have to write. Yes. You can't just talk about it. You can't just think about it. Yes. You actually have to put pen to page or, you know, type it on the computer and you have to write. Yes. And you have to do it for yourself. Mm. If you do it for anyone else, you won't get it done. Yeah. One of the wisest sentiments about writing that I've ever heard is every creative project is a race against your own enthusiasm for it. Mm, wow. If you don't have a sustained enthusiasm, you're never going to finish the project. Yeah. So don't do it for anyone else. Like yeah. only do it if you are so passionate about it that you need to tell this story. And I think if you're having writer's block consistently on a certain project, do you have enough enthusiasm to finish it? Mm. Or is that telling you something that is just not wrong, there? Yeah. 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 Which is okay. It's yeah. A, you know, it is okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay to leave projects half finished sometimes as long as ultimately you have a finished product yeah. of some kind. Yeah, and I think, it's, and it's a learning process. I think the better you get at it, so I think the sooner you can realize, figure out if it's not working, mm-hmm. then you can move on, mm-hmm. take your lessons you've learned from here, and then move on to the next one, yeah. and make that one work. You don't want to waste your time. I guess that's the other thing. Yep. How do you do that with your brother? Because I have found that sometimes when I'm writing with my writing partner, he will be more excited about an idea than I am. So how do you match that level of enthusiasm where you're like, great, we're going to spend the next year working on this. I'm so happy. I'm so excited. Let's do it. Mm -hmm." (laughs) I'm really lucky with him because we actually, we're on the same wavelength for a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Um, So for most of the projects that we've worked on, we've both been like really excited about it. Yeah. Uh, And it's funny too, because a lot of times I will, sometimes I'll come up with these ideas and then I'll tell Brandon about it, and he'll be like, oh, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And then so I have to be like, okay. Since he does like the a lot of the actual writing, mm. sometimes I just have to wait for him to be ready to mm. write. So in a, in a funny sense, like I, I, I give him ideas like, hey, do this, do this, do this. And then he, I have to kind of wait till he's like, I like this one. Let's do this. Yeah. And then we can both be on the same page, and we can both run with it. And sometimes it's the other way. Sometimes he just has ideas that he wants to go do and write, mm-hmm. and which is great. You know, he'll come up with these ideas that are really wacky off the wall mm-hmm. and 
Mm. So for him, the writing can get very personal. Yeah. For me, I'm a little more. It is what it is. I'm not, I'm not like married to it, you know. It's like yeah, <laughs> so I can yeah. I can let things go a little bit more easily, which is funny because like sometimes we'll be working and I'll tell him, yeah, I don't think this is working, and then you know four months later he'll come back and say, oh yeah, I think you're right about that. That's so hard. Yeah, it is hard for him, but he, he I'll give him give him props. He he admits it when he yeah. doesn't work out because he's also very strong willed too. Mm-hmm. So he's like, no, this is not it's not working. It's not mm-hmm. working. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Four months later. Okay, yeah, okay, you're right. Yeah. (laughs) That's a tough pill to swallow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We've spent longer on certain projects than we should have because we're like, (laughs) we can make this square peg fit into this round hole. We can can can, do it. it, Yeah. We'll just, it'll be a pilot. No, it doesn't work as a pilot. (laughs) It's not personal. You don't, you're not trying to hurt each other's feelings. It's just, we're just talking about the story. Yes. We're just trying to make the story as as best as we can make it. Yeah. It's so much more fun, honestly, to write with other people. Mm -hmm. Even like being in a writer's room or being in a writer's group, like just having, being able to bounce your ideas off someone else. It's so much more fun than doing it by yourself. It just is. It is. It is so fun. And (laughs) I think what's made it work for us is that Tofer and I are both able to find our our own way into a story and Mm. I think that that's where we've gotten to a point of we both like the premise we like the concept we like the characters but what's your in what Mm. are you feeling connected to about the story Mm -hmm. and he'll be like it's this character this is me or this is someone that I know this is this is who I'm connecting with and identifying with and then I'll be like great I really like this relationship dynamic. I want to play in this world. I want to be part of creating this. And so that's my end. And it doesn't even need to be the same thing as long as it's mm-hmm. part of the same story. I think mm-hmm. we can both find ways to be excited about it. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, I love that. What are some of the mistakes that you've made and how you've learned from them? I think not spending so long on certain projects. Mm. Um, we had an idea. We were going to do a stunt spec. That was going to be great. It was hilarious. And we really enjoyed writing it. And then realized there's really nothing to do with it. Mm. You know, it, it's, yeah. it's not, you can't submit it to contests. It's someone else's intellectual property. We just spent too much time playing in, in someone else's playground and not mm. building our own. Mm. I don't know that that was a mistake, though, because you have to look at it as, well, that was one of the greatest writing exercises I've ever done. And, and yeah. if you can't spin it that way, then you're just going to have regrets and you don't there's there's not enough time in life to to carry those regrets yeah it's like you want to learn from yeah life yeah we made some people laugh Mm. (laughs) writing that and that's how we've approached pitches too when we've we've gone out with a pitch a few times and it's one of those things where it's like even if it's a no at the end of the day if we can make somebody laugh in the room we haven't wasted their time no they will still be glad that we had that meeting whether it's something that they choose to develop or not and you you become a better writer just for the process of doing it more 100%. 100%. Do you have any advice for writers that are struggling? You can think about it. I know it's a <laughs> it's a deep question because I know a lot of writers do struggle with things. Yeah. And whether it's writer's block or just feeling like they're not creative. I think like I struggle with sometimes is just thinking that other writers are so much better than I am. Yes. You know, and you're just yes. like, ah, it's like, am Imposter I a fraud? Something. Yeah, exactly. You're like, I can't, I don't know if I can keep doing this. And, yeah. Uh, and then... Yeah, like seeing really good writers, usually it's encouraging, but mm-hmm. then sometimes it's just overwhelming and you're just like, yeah. what am I What am I doing here? What do I have to offer this? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What can I say that hasn't been said before? Yeah, I would say get in a writer's group would mm. be my number one advice. Not just because you get notes and everybody needs notes, whether you take them or not, a lot of times there's merit to them, especially if you're getting the same note multiple times. We're like, oh, (laughs) okay, maybe there's something that needs to be done there. But also because they offer other insights. 
into mm-hmm. the industry. They're all working different jobs. You benefit from what they're doing outside of their writing as well. And oh, hearing of different opportunities that are coming up or um, maybe they're tracking trends that you hadn't noticed in the market. I would say it also serves as sort of like a group therapy session. <laughs> and that can be really cathartic and wonderful. And they understand things in a way that maybe most of your friends can't. Mm-hmm. You know, they face rejection. They get it. That's not the same situation in most people's jobs they don't get rejected nearly as often as we do why did we choose this i don't know (laughs) if we could do anything else we would (laughs) have you ever considered doing anything else like no no and maybe that's foolish to not have been Mm. like i could have been an english teacher or something i mean i'm teaching now so i guess that's kind of that's kind of a pivot but I remember Professor Medbury always saying, it's not too late to sell insurance. There's great <laughs> benefits. If you can do it and be happy, do mm. it. Because it's you have to be happy being a part of this community mm. in some aspect in order to, to stay around. Like, I'm here for the people. Yeah. I genuinely am. Because otherwise, I could write as a hobby in Indiana, the Carolinas, wherever I wanted to be. Right. But you're here because you want to be part of the entertainment community. And that's something that I even noticed when I was really young was seeing, you know, the award shows, which, yes, are political and have a lot to do with (laughs) campaign dollars and whatnot. But the fact that they take time in every award show to honor the people in their community that they've lost, Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, they're paying attention. They're aware of each other. They respect each other's craft. And especially because it's not just the other actors or directors that they honor, it's the cinematographers it's you know the foley artists it's it's everybody right. everybody and i was like i want to be part of that community i don't want to i don't want to write solo forever i want to be part of a collaboration i want to be part of a team how has the process been for you when you have a show that you've worked on or a film that's you know picked up and then you've actually it's been made is yeah. it scary sometimes or you're kind of handing it off like how no does that, what, not yeah. at all i think it's exhilarating mm. honestly similar to pitching i think there's something really like oh what are they gonna do with this this is gonna be so fun and you have to have that because otherwise you're just gonna be clinging too tight to something that is yeah. only partially yours right. the biggest example that i have is in animation and because it's so visual like most of my scripts are the dialogue that happens and then you see like the little things that they've added, the little visual jokes, and you're like, oh my gosh, that's so funny. Like that's so clever. The kids are gonna love that. And it it brings more to the project than I could have envisioned. And I think that there's something really cool about that. That's awesome. Yeah, it's the whole creative collaborative process of filmmaking. You know, you have the sound design, you have the production design, you have the cinematography, you mm-hmm. have the words, you have yeah. the acting. And then just to see it all come together for me is so cool. You know, yeah. I just I just love I love it. And it's all storytelling. Mm. I don't think anyone in a production is more of a storyteller than someone else. Mm. So you do most of your writing in the morning. Yes, yes. Um, I'm very fortunate in that for the animated stuff, I've built in deadlines. Mm. So every week I'm turning out a short uh, animated script that they're going to turn around and give notes on. And that helps to find like a rhythm. Mm. It's me trying to figure out how enthusiastic I am about my own projects. Yeah. Uh, but even with this new play, it's we met on Friday and we have another meeting in two weeks and I owe them an outline before then. Mm. Right. So having that sort of deadline or knowing that my writer's group is meeting 
August 13th and I have to send something in at least five days earlier so everyone has time to read it. Like that gives me stability, gives me an opportunity to plan ahead and not just kind of wake up and go, what am I working on today? I always know what I'm working on the next day. Hmm. I have, I make the list the night before. I'm going to write three scenes here. I'm going to do this. I need to revise that. I need to look at that. I need to email this person because so much of writing is not just writing. It's what are you going to do with it? So what? You wrote something and now, now what? Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, you have to have someone in mind. I'm going to finish this draft and I'm going to send it to these two people. Mm. And then while they're looking at it, I'm not just going to sit idly. I'm going to go and work on this project. Yeah. And so you're always working on something. You always have something to kind of switch. And also as a writer, (laughs) I will say, um, don't just ask offer how so what do you mean like don't just ask people to do you a favor mm, right okay i've seen people just be like oh can you read this and they don't ask what i'm working on they mm. don't ask if they can swap notes mm. and then you have the people who are very excited about the possibility of collaborating and if i've if i've said hey i could really use notes on something can we swap can we do a notes trade and even if they don't have something at the moment that door is open right. and they're welcome to come back and say okay i finished my pilot and then i'm equally as excited to read it Cause I'm like, oh, because your notes were so wonderful. I want to return the favor. Like, I want to be part of that. And I think that builds community versus just kind of wanting someone to punch your ticket so that you can move forward without them. Also, don't send first drafts. Just don't. Don't. Like, give yeah. it a couple weeks. Go back. Do a polish. Then you can send it. Yeah. The first draft is always, like, crap, you know. Yes. It's really yes. bad. Yeah. It's the most freeing draft. <laughs> I'm like, I can put anything on this page and I'll yeah. fix it later. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, don't don't send people first drafts. Pro tip. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. And proofread. It's, mm. There's nothing more amateur than being like, yeah. okay, so they didn't they didn't even read their own work. Yeah, Like, that's, that's true. very telling. Yeah. It's, it's hard to even look at the story itself when you're distracted by all these little mistakes or yes. little errors. Yeah. It, yeah. It just makes the experience more challenging. Tell me a little bit more about your play you're writing. First of all, how did, did that sort of develop where you're working on plays? This happened when I was literally like at a prayer meeting, as you do. And mm-hmm. I was talking to a friend who was like, I just am not getting work. I want to generate my own stuff. And I'm struggling. And I was like, well, what do you need? Maybe I can adapt one of my features into a script for you. And she was like, yes, let's do it. Because one of the notes that I had gotten a lot previously, and I I feel like I've grown a lot in this area, is that my screenplays were not always cinematic. Mm, I would get the note of, wow, what a great play that you're going to put on screen. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. It is people in one room that are Mm. talking, and that doesn't lend itself to the big screen, right? And there's a place for it. There's indie films. There's all these things. Mm. But if it works better as a play, do it as a play. Hmm. That's so much more interesting. And they need so much more content, right? And so it just became this one act that we put up four years ago. And it did really well. And they took it to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And that was very exciting. Then we did another play the next year. And then life happened. COVID happened. And so this will be the first play that I kind of get back into the saddle again. um, Because it it makes more sense to me to write a play that I know is going to be produced. That's Mm -hmm. not everyone's situation. I write plenty of screenplays that aren't produced. But for plays, it just makes more sense if if I'm able to collaborate and be like, well, what kind of stage are you looking at? Let's write to that. Like, mm-hmm. let's write to what we have, what we can work with. And so I met with two producers, and I was like, I've got three pitches for you, and you tell me what works best. 
and then we'll develop that world together. And they were so excited. It's amazing how exciting it is for people when you've thought of something for them. Mm -hmm. Like when you're not like, clear the way, I have ideas for you, but you're like, I have something for you. Specifically for yeah. you. I thought about it and I'm coming up yes. with it. Yes, yeah. and they're like, oh, I could see that. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. You know, and, and then you get excited and you're like, okay guys, 1980 what do we think right <laughs> 80s and they're like 80s what and i'm like oh just wait for it there's more but you're pitching and it just it's exciting and then and then you start being able to ask them what do you want your character to be named mm. and there's more buy-in they're like oh i'm i'm a susan and like, great susan it is like and you just you roll with it and it's just so fun mm. so yeah we're gonna awesome. put that on in the next few months hopefully very cool where do you normally do your plays? One of the great things about having producers from the very early outset is that I don't need to know. <laughs> mm, you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, that's don't good. have to worry about it. Yeah. I know, I know. And everyone's a hyphenate, and I get it. And I, I feel like I'm very uh, producerial, um, and I'm usually a producer adjacent. But mm. there are some things that it's just, I'll let them figure it out. Yeah. You know? I did my part. And off to you. <laughs> <laughs> How do you deal with rejection? That's a big word. It can be really intimidating. Yeah. If it is me feeling rejected because a draft of one of my animated scripts didn't go over as well as I thought it would be, I try to look at the positive and like, okay, what they said was feedback. It mm. wasn't rejection. Mm. It was, well, we need to try something else. That's, that's not rejection. That's pivoting. That's part of life. Um, if it's someone saying no to a project that my writing partner and I are writing together, um, we talk about it. <laughs> we have our own little therapy sesh. We will hang up from a call with our manager where he's like, hey guys, it's a no. And then we'll hang up from him and then we'll call each other. How are you taking the news? <laughs> you know, and then he'll be like, I just ordered Burger King. What about you? <laughs> and I'm like, no. <laughs> we have to be strong. And then it's always, well, what's next? Mm. Right? Like, we can't dwell on this. We, we could sit here and not accomplish anything else. We could just throw in the towel or we could be like, okay. Like, what are we gonna do differently next time? What do you feel like was your first big break? I think the script that my writing partner and I first wrote together, even though I'd already I'd done well in a contest or two before or something, it was the first script that we sat down and read together and went, oh, this works. This mm. really works. It's still unproduced, but it's what got us our manager. It's what got us our meetings that we've had. Mm. And it started a lot of conversations that felt like, okay, this is promising. And, and it felt like we said something that was important. It wasn't just like, ha, ah, we made jokes. It was, it was about mental health. It was about um, the uh, epidemic of uh, depression amongst the comedian community, right? And so you're saying something about, if you're seeing someone on screen and you think that they're so funny, you're not necessarily seeing the whole picture. You're not getting the whole story. Um, and what does that actually look like behind the scenes? And so it's a dark comedy, but it was, it was something that just felt like this could get made. This this could be what gets us going, and, and that, that felt really good. Mm. <laughs> this has been really fun to catch up and to kind of get to hear what your process is, um, mm. because I didn't know. I don't, I don't think I took the time to ask in undergrad, and I think that's something else that's important is when you, when you take the time to ask what other people's process is, it gives you perspective on your own process. And it also is just, it's, it's a huge compliment to say you're doing something. Mm. How are you doing it? Yeah. How's it working for you? Yeah. And, and to genuinely ask that question, I think is validating of writers where you're like, oh yeah, I'm writing. 
I'm writing. Let me tell you about my writing because it's yeah. happening and that's exciting. And that really is the only defining characteristic of a writer is that they're writing. Very powerful. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much, Morgan, for being yes. on the show. Um, yeah, I just, I just want to thank you. And I know we had a little bit challenging with some scheduling and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's so busy. But no, just to make the time to be on the show and just to share your story and share your thoughts on writing and the story process. I'm really excited for people to hear this. For me, it's really just about sharing our stories with Mm, other people and sharing the process of telling those stories. Yes. Making stories that are worthwhile. Mm. So like even the mental health, like it's such a big issue that people are, I feel like more than now than ever before, like people are struggling there. Um, So to be able to do stories that are really having a positive influence on people and really learning how to help people Mm. with stories. Yeah. It's very therapeutic, yes. for sure. Yeah. Keep up the good work. Thanks. I really appreciate it. And uh, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter and Instagram, uh, at MorganEnglish underscore. Thank you for inviting me. This has been really fun and a very out-of-my-comfort-zone experience <laughs> that I appreciate. It's been really lovely to catch up. Yeah, it's been a blast. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys for watching this episode. And subscribe to the channel. And we will see you guys next time. Bye.